Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another episode. So, in this episode, we're going to consider the transaction and the transformation of the gospel. There really are so many themes and perspectives we could explore when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but these are two that lie at the very heart of the salvation we have in Jesus. And yet, the very fact that there are so many others, such as the themes of exile and return, or reconciliation, or sacrifice, all of these express the multi-layered richness and the unfathomable depths of the gospel. No matter how long we've been walking in fellowship with the Lord, and no matter how much time and energy we've spent unearthing the treasures of God's Word, the glorious reality is that there will always be more. There will always be more to learn and discover and experience in our relationship with the three-in-one God who shows Himself to us in Scripture. There will always be more of God to taste and savor and delight in. And this is what ought to bring a sense of delight and excitement to our study of God's Word. As Charles Spurgeon has said, nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. That's what we have to look forward to as we continue to study Scripture throughout our lives. A bigger vision and a deeper experience of God's glorious goodness. So with that expectation of discovering more and delighting more in God's goodness and grace, let's think about the transaction and the transformation of the gospel. So first, what do we mean by the transaction of the gospel? Well, the Bible tells us that when a sinner is convicted of their sin and its enormous seriousness, and when they see their desperate need for God's grace and reach out for it through faith in Jesus, at that moment, a great transaction takes place. And the transaction involves two movements, our sin being taken away and placed on Jesus, as well as Jesus's perfect record of obedience being given to us as if it were our own. It is in this magnificent transaction, this great exchange and trade that Jesus makes with us, that the love and grace of God are most wonderfully displayed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 speaks succinctly of this transaction when it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, Jesus takes the full weight of our sins upon himself and goes to the cross, the agony and suffering of the cross, to pay the massive penalty we deserve to pay, but will never have to because of what Jesus has done for us. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says that the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And then God poured out on Jesus his righteous wrath and his holy anger against our sin. And now, for all those who turn away from their sins and trust in Christ alone for salvation, the cup of wrath we deserve to drink has been replaced by the cup of blessing. 
all because of Jesus. And the second half of 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that in him we become the righteousness of God. So God, because he is perfectly holy, he demands perfect obedience from us, his creatures. And yet, instead of obeying our good and loving king as we should, we have rebelled against his rightful rule over our lives and instead lived as we pleased. And this is what the Bible calls sin, and it is no small thing. Rebelling against this good, gracious, glorious God has horrible results. Because of our disobedience, we deserve eternal exile from God's presence and the enjoyment of His goodness. But the story of the gospel is that God didn't leave us there, although He would have been just if He had chosen to do so. Instead, though, He had a plan to provide us with the spotless righteousness we need to be with Him. And this flawless record of obedience was lived out by Jesus Himself. The Son of God took on human flesh in order to rescue us. And the unblemished faithfulness of Jesus is given to us by faith as if we had lived a life of untainted obedience ourselves. That is what gives us our right standing before God. And the glorious result of this two-way transaction is stated beautifully in Psalm 103, verse 10. It says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That truly is our most desperate need in life, that our sins would not be held against us. All our other problems pale in comparison to the great problem of our sinfulness and the punishment we deserve because of it. And yet, the dark backdrop of our sin is what makes the beauty of God's grace shine all the more brightly. It's hard to say it better than Charles Spurgeon does when he says, You stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God as if he were you. The transaction that lies at the heart of the gospel is more than reason enough to live our lives in thankful obedience to God for the marvelous kindness he has shown to us. So that was a very brief look at the transaction of the gospel. But now let's think for a few moments about the transformation of the gospel. Trusting in Christ for rescue from the danger our sins have put us in not only results in the two-way transaction we just considered, but it also involves the transformation of our hearts. Behind our initial faith in Christ stands the reality of God's transforming and regenerating grace. The new birth, which is often called regeneration, is the internal change of heart that God works within us by His Spirit through our hearing of the gospel. And this internal transformation of our hearts is expressed in repentance and faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, speaks of this change when it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Like this verse says, the transformation of our hearts through the gospel is so powerful that it creates a noticeable change in our lives. That's why it says, The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The old ways of sin and selfishness are not completely eradicated, of course. 
But now there is a new heart in us with new desires that wage war against the old desires. And this battle against a sinful flesh results in a new direction in life that is visible for all to see. Another passage that gets at this really beautifully is Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. In those verses, Paul says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Ezekiel 36 also gets at this glorious change of heart that occurs when God transforms us into new creations in Christ. Verses 25 through 27 of Ezekiel 36 say this, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the transformation the gospel accomplishes, it removes our old stony hearts that were unresponsive and resistant to God and replaces them with tender hearts of flesh that are sensitive and submissive to God's word and his ways. And along with this new heart come new affections for Jesus, a new resistance to sin, a new standard for making decisions, the word of God, a new longing for community with God's people, and a new desire to live for God's glory and the good of others. The transformation we experience in union and communion with Jesus gives us a totally new orientation and direction in life. What we once lived for no longer satisfies us. We've been given an appetite for something more, and we know that the more we desire can only be found in the Lord. In the deepest recesses of our hearts, we are convinced of Psalm 16, verse 11, which says, You, O God, make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is what our new heart wants, the good and abundant life that only God can give to us. The joy of this transformed life is not dependent on circumstances, but it finds its solid foundation in knowing and enjoying Jesus. And even when suffering strikes and troubles abound in life, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. Our joy in the Lord gives us the strength we need to face whatever comes at us in life. Life is hard. It knocks us down way more than we'd like it to. It is filled with untold agonies and excruciating seasons of hardship. And yet, even in the midst of all the ugliness, those who have had their hearts transformed by Jesus have a reservoir of grace they can draw fresh strength and hope from. Well, as we draw this episode to a close, let me leave you with this final thought. The transformed life we've been talking about begins when we first put our trust in Jesus. And yet, the transformation of our hearts continues throughout our entire lives. 
It is a lifelong journey we are called to embrace and to pursue with everything we've got. So let me leave you with these final words from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, which puts it this way. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is the glorious work of ongoing transformation the Lord is continuing to faithfully accomplish in our hearts as we seek His face day by day. Well, that's it for this episode of Informed and Inflamed. Thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to connecting with you again next time.